millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, we are going to talk about number 45, hashtag not my president, mm. he who must not be named. Mm. So we are going to be discussing the foreign policy of number 45. <laughs> How long can you keep this up? <laughs> <laughs> what was your first memory of Trump no longer being... I feel like this is such a 2016 kind of conversation. Mm. What was your first memory of Trump transitioning from Donald Trump, master of the apprentice, to Donald Trump, presidential campaign, legitimate candidate? Jeez, I don't know. I feel like I, like, I wasn't... I feel super clued in on like the year or two all the, the debates and things leading up to the 2016 election. I remember in year 10, like a girl in my year, like like watching the sort of voting happening live, like at the train station. And she was like full stressing about Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Getting in. <laughs> um, so that was, yeah, sort of key. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. Jake, do you? Do you I remember re- the day exactly. Mm. I was sitting on the couch <laughs> having a chalky milk. Mm. And I was like, no way this guy's going to get president. <laughs> and then he did. What was the weather like on that day? Oh, surely there was some pathetic fallacy going on. It was gloomy, you know. What, it was time, not- what time of year was it? It was November. Ah, uh, yeah. It was quite a... Wait, what year? A gloomy 2016. Overcast. That's when he got... That was when he became the president, not when he became the Republican nominee. Oh, sorry, that was when he won the election. He got sworn in in 2017. What happened in 2018? The World Cup. Ah. <laughs> oh, okay. There was there was like midterm congressional elections in 2018. Yeah, but that's like something tells me you weren't. Yeah, too engaged I don't in that. quite. Could <laughs> 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 you imagine that? <laughs> who's it's the like, president? Who's pre- the president of America again? But whoever's going to win Kentucky's 14th district—that's the real. <laughs> that's how I was- procrastinated during the HSC. <laughs> it's like those people that love the A League but oh. refuse to watch Champions League or Premier League. <laughs> And 2020 was the, like, the re-election? Yeah. Okay, that's what I remember more. Joe Biden. Yes. Yeah, not the re just the election. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't get re-elected. So, 
it was quite it was quite a gloomy Tuesday or Wednesday for us, but Tuesday for America. And yeah, I think that was the running joke on all of Sydney was that this is prophetic again. Not our country. Mm. <laughs> um, he hasn't been sworn in yet or anything. So the Simpsons. What? That, why was it prophetic? Because it was predicted in the oh, Simpsons. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> prophetic that it would be dark and gloomy times for America sort of because of the gloomy of, weather. Mm. Oh, I see. I get it. I understand. No, I understand. Yeah, I'm literally. I was a girl in my year at school who was gonna do, was gonna go study in America. Allegedly, was gonna go study in America, and then when Trump got sworn in, she made a post about how she's not gonna go to America anymore, and how she had withdrew, <laughs> withdrawn her candidacy for some American <laughs> uni because she wants to stand against the evil that is Donald Trump. Oh, wow, they'd be fuming. Uh, they'd be like, Donald, <laughs> we did not see this coming. <laughs> and this is like the era before those sort of like pretty empty gestures yeah. were kind of made fun of. Mm. And back when like people, yeah, 2016, 2017, like if a celebrity posted something like that, nowadays they'd get mercilessly teased because mm. we're post COVID and post like the Imagine Yeah, that was song. my first one. <laughs> um, but in 2017, people were off were like, yeah, yeah, go John Cena. For <laughs> Actually, he's not a good example. He, he, oh, <laughs> he was. Go pink, he- go pink for standing against yeah. Donald Trump. <laughs> Don't go hate on the Cena nation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he was the first celebrity that came to my head. I don't know if he's posted anything. Donald Trump was in WWE, so probably not a good example to use. We're only going to focus on his foreign policy today. So we're not going to discuss domestic stuff. We'll come back to that another day. In terms of Trump's remarks towards other countries, anything jump into mind? You're like, oh. China. China. We're going to build a wall. That's a bad impression. I can do a better impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, was, I promised no impersonations. Okay. Uh, um, no, you should do it. It'd be really original for you to do a Trump impersonation. Yeah, know, right? no, <laughs> no one would have ever thought. Um, yeah, Mexico. Mm. Mexico. You do have a Mandarin on your, on your mic stand as well. Prophetic of the orange man that was in office. I thought you were going to say okay. Mandarin, uh, yeah. like the language in China. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't... Multifaceted. Really <laughs> <laughs> the layers of double entendre. <laughs> yeah, I didn't... I was. I thought you were going down to Mexico Avenue then. I was like, I don't I don't see the relationship between the Mandarin and... <laughs> <laughs> no, I do miss the... Um, no, I'm sorry, I don't miss the the orange man jokes. Mm, they yeah. they got they, they tied pretty quickly. Um, yeah, Mexico. Rocket Man. Does that ring any bells? Good Elton John song. It is a mm. great Elton John song. No, not, not ringing <laughs> Just no realised because, well, because I accidentally said Elton Jong. Um, oh. <laughs> I'm thinking of Kim Jong-un and Rocket Man is a North Korea reference. Right, yeah. Yes. That's clever from you. The in, in my subconscious, Elton I didn't Jong, even consciously. Wow. Russia? Um, or just meddling with the election. Uh, meddling right? with the election. That's that what was the Hillary's emails. Russian influence, the bots. WikiLeaks. Wait, what happened in WikiLeaks from 2016? Oh, WikiLeaks leaked Hillary Clinton, like 30,000 Hillary Clinton emails. Oh, that was, was it? Twitter? Yes, a little bit of Twitter, a little bit of Facebook. Facebook, yeah, he was he was active on Twitter. He uh, had things to say. He did. Now, immediately after the election, Trump wins the election, and it's worth clarifying that in America, it's not a popular vote. There's the Electoral College, which basically each state is given a number of points in proportion with the population, but it's not entirely proportional. Mm. So, for example, like Rhode Island is a little bit OP because they get, um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, two points, but no one lives there. 
just about. So yeah. whereas California gets, if I'm not mistaken, I, I, I'm, the number's not going to be exact here. It's somewhere in between 50 and 60, but they've got a far bigger population. And so it's not actually entirely proportional. Trump's strategy, again, I, I, this is something I really wish we did in Australian politics. They talk about building walls, not a reference to the border wall, but they talk about building electoral roll, electoral walls, I should say. So like from the north of the of central USA to the bottom of like to like Texas, for example, there's this whole idea of like, he needs to build a red wall here. That's how he's going to have his path to election victory. Um, geographically, it doesn't matter if <laughs> they... <laughs> tessellate or not <laughs> uh, people cross over borders and cross pollinate you know if you won sharing the, ideas if you won the state with the same number of points next to it that's equally gonna have the same effect but they're no. really obsessed with this idea of building a wall um or like yeah building like i don't know like a blue wall around new hampshire or whatever and trump won a lot of the midwest of america by promising to put steel tariffs on china we'll come back to that later on today but hillary clinton won the popular vote so she got more votes than Donald Trump, but she did not win on the Electoral College. And so Trump won the election. She got got a lot of votes. She did. <laughs> little win. Minor premier. <laughs> and so like uh, for a little bit afterwards, when Hillary Clinton would get invited to like speak at stuff, other people would introduce her as like the first female to win the popular like popular vote of America, which is factually true. But I think it's missing the glaring indictment that she lost to Donald Trump. <laughs> like that is that is quite a quite a damning indictment. Um but that brought about the first part of Trump's foreign policy was that there were clouds over the election itself in that Russia was alleged to have meddled with the twenty sixteen election and the bigger crime is actually conspiracy on Donald Trump's part to conspiracy to uh, commit like electoral fraud and to meddle with the election process by undermining the national security of Mer- of America by allowing Russia to interfere with American elections. Right. So you're saying that Trump let Russia interfere. Trump colluded. That's mm. that was the allegation that was over his head from the very beginning. Yeah. So Trump colluded with Russia to meddle with the 2016 election. That was pretty much a narrative that was running from the very beginning of his time in office. And that would pretty much roll around till 2018, 2019. And that was pretty much over his head the whole time that he was like pro-Russian. The basis of that also came from Trump's campaigning. So when Trump campaigned, so Obama in his rhetoric was really anti-Putin. 2014, we've got the expansion into Crimea on Russia's part and... Again, the world is largely anti-Putin by that point. Obama expresses a lot of that in his rhetoric. Uh, Trump comes in and he says, we need to get along with Putin and we need to be friends and we need to kind of be on the same page. And so that actually leads a lot of people to say that Putin and Trump are colluding with each other. The other important bit of context is the Syrian civil war. So we touched on this when we looked at the Kurds um, and we discussed the Kurds. Basically, in the Syrian civil war, you had Assad who was backed by Putin. You had the alternate government, which was backed by the Arab states and then kind of kind of America as well at the same time. You had ISIS and you had the Kurds who were also backed by America. So the biggest enemy of ISIS was Assad's government and, I, and Assad was supported by Putin. And so Trump actually praised Putin for doing a lot 
of basically his, strat- his strategy was this. Hillary Clinton created ISIS by creating a power vacuum in Iraq and Syria. And Putin is defeating ISIS as Russia's supporting Assad against ISIS. That was effectively Donald Trump's argument. And so then on the basis of that, the media and again, a lot of these media, like obviously you've got Fox News, which is heavily Republican, but you've got CNN, which is, if I'm not mistaken, it's owned by Warner Brothers um, or either, and then MSNBC as well. They tend to be more pro-Democrat and they very much ran with the narrative that Trump colluded with Russia. Mm. Big black cloud over Trump in the beginning. This then led to the Mueller report. Mm. There was a t- TV series on Stan. So the best, only the best TV shows get mm. on Stan. Yep. Um, if you're going to occupy the space alongside Hamish and Andy's gap year, it has to be pretty good. Mm. It's called the Comey rule. If Stan are looking for a partnership as well. Yes. <laughs> we're open to it. Do get in contact. Yeah. That Probably not though. They're owned by <laughs> Channel 9. <laughs> <laughs> So it was called The Comey Rule and basically it was a TV drama series around their old FBI director, James Comey. And so basically what happened was Trump fired him as FBI director because Trump felt that he, well, at least this is how Trump expressed it, that Trump Trump felt as though basically he was in on the idea of trying to push the Russian narrative against him. And that he was, as FBI director, Comey was trying to leverage Russia to undermine Donald Trump. Comey's argument is that Trump demanded absolute loyalty from Comey, which would basically impact his ability to exercise his role in a nonpartisan way. So Trump fired Comey as as the FBI director. In that TV series, it's run by, obviously, Hollywood, which is, you know, surprise, surprise, pretty pro-Democrat. And... Their depiction of Trump is rather comical. There's no subtlety involved at all. And basically, I can't remember word for word, but there's a scene that goes something to this effect. It's like someone's talking to Donald Trump um, and Obama was just in there before. And Obama's this well-spoken, says all the right things, man of integrity. Mm. Like, no, you like you can't, like, yeah, you, you, you have to be impartial. You cannot give us favoritism. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> really having it up. They get gets to Donald Trump. Um, and they like explain to Donald Trump that, you know, Russian interference isn't on. And someone says to him, he's like, sir, you know, this is corrupt. And Trump's like, I don't care. And it's like, oh, come on, please. Subtlety. <laughs> Some nuance. <laughs> sure. Don't tell. <laughs> Interestingly, the Mueller report came out and basically in the report, the, the report revealed that Trump welcomed so uh, Robert Mueller did the, conducted, the, conducted the investigation. The report found that though Trump welcomed Russian support, there wasn't actually enough evidence to prove collusion. And there was, there was insufficient evidence to prove that Trump had sought out the Russians, that Trump had worked with the Russians, and that together they conspired to meddle with the 2016 election. All it found was that basically Russia would rather Trump in than, than Clinton and that Trump welcomed that as, as support, which isn't a crime. And so Trump was actually largely cleared, not like not to the not to the extent of that he didn't have any involvement with Russia whatsoever, but he was actually largely cleared of any criminal conduct. 
And that was kind of the big black cloud that was over his presidency for the first year and a half, two years in office. And he did get cleared of that. But he started to fall out with Putin. Oh, now, no. they, were never, they were never best buds. That, mm. that, like, it was kind of a bit of a Nomeo and Juliet situation where they're on opposite. Yeah, I was like, now we're talking. <laughs> 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 they're on opposite sides of the geopolitical game, but they actually have kind of a respect for each other in that personally mm. they don't have any animosity towards each other even though they're on opposite sides and they're supposed to hate each other. Yeah, Ronaldo versus Messi kind of thing. Yeah, is that what we're talking. But they're not gonna they're not gonna have dinner together or anything like that. Yeah, if they're any yeah. god. But Syria proved to be a bit of an issue. So again, the Syrian civil war. We've got our four factions. We've got Assad, the alternate government, ISIS, and the Kurds. The U.S. involvement officially was to support the Kurds, uh, unofficially support the alternate government. Um, what happened was that. The American government accused Assad of using chemical weapons against the Syrian people. And because of that, the U.S. government actually uh, used strikes on uh, Assad-controlled areas. And so that's a bit of an issue because Russia is pro-Assad. And so Trump and Putin actually fall out a fair amount over what to do with, with Syria. And in a proxy war, they actually end up on opposite sides fighting against each other. There was... Also, the issue with Iran. So, basically, Obama instituted something called the Iran nuclear deal. Basically, what this deal involved was that sanctions against Iran were removed in exchange for them capping their nuclear capacity. Okay. Um, for those on you know, the really hawkish end of the spectrum, it was basically like, no, make them completely denuclearize. This, this is empowering Iran, which is then destabilizing Israel. So that was a lot of the argument that was thrown around at the time as well. And then there are other people that were like, just let Iran, let Iran be um, mm. if they want to, like, yeah, let them do what they want to do. Trump was really anti-Iran. And he came out as like, yeah, Obama is basically like letting down Israel. In Israel, Trump is probably their like favorite president. Like okay. there's, yeah, they love him in Israel um, because what Trump did was basically Trump ripped up, ripped up that nuclear deal and basically actually put in sanctions to anyone who helped arm Iran. And basically he kind of said, yo, no one's going to actually help empower these guys. Russia um, actually broke the Iranian Non-Proliferation Act and there were Russian companies that traded with Iran and provided nuclear components to Iran. So Trump put sanctions on eight of those Russian companies. Mm. So we can see that Trump and Putin are starting to fall out a little bit here. Yeah, a little awkward. Yes. And so it becomes actually a little bit worse because they're divided on Syria. And then Trump actually prohibited ExxonMobil, a huge oil company, mm. from drilling for oil in Russia in 2018. And then Sarah Huckabee Sanders, which was Trump's press secretary, boasted that I don't really know. I'm not really following the logic here, but in one and a half years, Trump was tougher than Obama was in eight years against Russia. I feel like one's on an X axis, one's on a Y axis. I feel like toughness can't be measured by time. <laughs> Sustained toughness. <laughs> mm. Otherwise, it's Is it trying to say he's had he had more of an impact. I think so. I think. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Is it the sum of his toughness is greater than the sum of, <laughs> of Obama's toughness? Do we make state of origin out of 365 to prove the toughness of... That's so true. Yeah, like, that's, that's an option. <laughs> <laughs> Queensland, we're 210. To, 
145. <laughs> no, 155. So basically, by the end of Trump's time in office, him and Putin weren't actually on that great terms. They did meet in Helsinki. Um, trust Finland to to bring yeah. to <laughs> bring the world together. Um, and they did meet in Helsinki and they kind of had a handshake and there was a lot of controversy around Trump shaking hands with the dictator. Mm. And people are like, well, should he, should he be doing that? Um, my view is I don't think he should ever lambast a leader for meeting with another leader, no matter how, how bad they were, because reality is that they're the leader of the country. If you're not going to enact regime change and you've got to work cooperatively with those countries, no matter what the conduct of the leader is. And so I would never lambast someone for simply shaking hands with another mm. world leader. But it would depend on the, the way they shook hands. it was like the camera's there okay now we're gonna reach out shake hands like a transfer agreement or it was just a greeting behind closed door where they shook hands or maybe he dapped him up behind closed doors i'm waiting for the day that like someone does a gangster because the handshake it's a very western thing so i'm hoping that when the west is no longer the, the 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 main leader in the geopolitical sphere and when the east inevitably rises and we have more of a multicultural outlook in terms of how we do diplomacy i am hoping that we replace the handshake with something funner like i just i don't think like you reckon, you reckon the chinese are dapping people up? <laughs> the ccp just imagine the coppage in the ccp <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Did someone reach out for the elbow or the, <laughs> the lower arm? A little, a little jig before. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> um, yeah, when Nigeria inevitably rise to be, you know, yeah, yeah, two thousand one hundred up top. <laughs> <laughs> Down low, too slow. Nigeria, but I want you to bring something to the table here. Um, so that was that was Russia, and the 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 Trump Russian narrative is kind of complex. You then say if Trump were to win in 2024, it would also be interesting to see how we would manage Putin post invasion of Ukraine. He won't win though, because Kanye will win. <laughs> Let's not get it twisted. Uh, I think Vivek Ramos will. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. Have you seen that guy in the Republican primaries? No. So no. basically, right? Like, so they're doing the Republican primaries right now. Trump, Trump didn't show up to his because he was. Um, so firstly, he had the, the the mugshot in Georgia. Yeah, he didn't show up, and rather than attend at the Republican primaries, he did an interview with Tucker Carlson at the exact same time, yeah. which got more coverage than the Republican <laughs> primaries. But there's this guy; he's basically tried to he's effectively doing Trump strategy, where at the Republican primaries in 2015, Trump was basically just like, yeah. I'd torture them. What What of it? Like, oh, and like, I'd nuke them all. I'd bomb them all. Um, and obviously, like, yeah, you can like making fun of like the size of Marco Rubio's hands and that sort of thing. Like he's just wild. And that clearly worked for him. So someone's tried to do it again, but it, it doesn't have the magic of, of 2015 at all. Mm. And so basically Vivek, um, I can't, I don't actually know how to pronounce his last name. He gets up and they say, he's like, I'm the only one who's not funded by um, big energy groups. So I'm the only one with the guts to say this. The climate change agenda is a hoax. And he's like literally speaking to the Republican crowd <laughs> that are of course going to lap this up. It's literally, it's, it's, it's no different to like at the, at the Oscars or whatever, when you're speaking to an entirely Democrat crowd, when like Robert um, De Niro is like, Trump is bad. Yeah. And they're all like, yeah, brave, brave, brave. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a Republican equivalent of that. We're going to talk about Trump and China. When Trump started, so Trump, this was, 
really interesting. So when, when Trump was campaigning, he, like I said before, his strategy was to win the middle of America, many of whom worked in the steel industry. And they had lost their jobs because Chinese steel was cheaper for American companies than American steel. So Trump comes in, he's like, I'm going to put a tariff on Chinese steel. Um, so yeah, 10% for, for, for aluminum, as, as he would say, and <laughs> 25% for, for steel. And basically, if you're a steel worker, um, it doesn't matter what Hillary Clinton has to offer, you have such a vested interest in Donald Trump winning for that exact reason. And so he actually picked up a ton of votes in middle America, might have even got him over the line. And so then he had to go about negotiating with China. Now, what Trump said is he said that China's been ripping us off, but if I was in China's shoes, I'd be doing the exact same thing. So he's trying to like flatter Xi Jinping with praise Mm. while also messaging that it's going to end. And in that first year in office, he kind of does the dance of meeting with Xi Jinping, saying that China's done amazing things, but saying that China's also ripping off America and we're going to stop that. Fast forward to 2018 and Trump actually puts in those tariffs that he was talking about before. And that's, that's pretty huge because um, that's going to impact, that, that impacted American business quite heavily. If you're General Motors and you're now paying an extra 25% for your steel um, and pretty much being forced to buy American steel, that's going to really impact your profits because steel is the main component used to build a car mm-hmm. and now you're paying 25% extra for it. So a lot of the business community didn't really like that very much. If you're China... I think we might have even discussed this on the pod before. In America, tariffs, your steel. What's your move? You ship it elsewhere. You could. Okay. But it's still 300, 300 plus million Ameri- people mm. that it's a, lot a of huge, them. huge market. Focus on India. <laughs> Emerging market. <laughs> um, I don't know what I'd do. Play the Uno reverse card. We will tariff you. Oh, true. I didn't. So is there a big export going the opposite way as well not so much um so in in tech a lot of american american tech companies had set up in china so china and taiwan obviously have the huge microchip industry yeah and so that impacted american companies quite heavily um but even just for like certain agricultural exports that china doesn't have that obviously china's climate compared to america's climate produce different crops china buys a lot of american agricultural goods that's going to impact the farming community, mm. quite well, farming industry community, <laughs> <laughs> farming industry, quite heavily. They live in villages and have you know the commons where they can all graze their sheep. <laughs> I mean, it, it is it, a tiny community. Though. That's what, I mean, maybe Mal was right all along. That is paradise. That yeah. is. <laughs> um, so China, China basically retaliated with their their own tariffs and China's got the trump card of like you're a market of 300 million oh, the trump card oh, oh he's good he's good um you have 300 million and sure you're wealthier than us and have more purchasing power we've got yeah 1.5 1.6 billion people mm. you need us more than we need you oh and Xi Jinping basically instituted his own tariffs and the Chinese Communist Party retaliated and from 2018 to 2019 it wasn't very good. And basically it was a contest. It escalated to other things like washing machines. Like how they get involved yeah. and they were getting yeah, tariffed too. Common collaterals, yeah. <laughs> common strays. <laughs> yeah. and Michael. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do the good guys ever do to, <laughs> to deserve this? Um, it did, this, it did end in January of 2020. 
Mm. We have discussed this on the pod before. That's well-timed. A little it, too well-timed. It is a little well, <laughs> too well-timed. Kevin Rudd actually helped broker this. So while we were going to go to, as we've mentioned, numerous <laughs> signs of the pod, we were going to go to China in January of 2020. Um, we were, we were going to stop over in China. <laughs> we were going to go to Shanghai. <laughs> and... The Chinese Communist Party did not let us go to Shanghai. Um, it, you check it out in the China pod. They have beef with PY is the, 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 the short of it. But Kevin Rudd did help broker the phase one agreement. Not be confused with the phase clan agreement. Thanks for clarifying. So I just hadn't thought of phase clan in eight years. And I just want to go back to MLG being the funniest video in the internet again. So basically the phase one agreement, it was pretty much an agreement to de-escalate the tariffs and to wind everything back. And China and America were back on relatively good terms again. So Mm. Trump met uh, with, if I'm not mistaken, the Chinese premier. So not Xi Jinping, he's the general secretary, the premier of the state council, Li Keqiang, and a number of other high-ranking CCP officials that were there. And the phase one agreement was signed in January of 2020. What else happened in January of 2020? Mm. COVID. COVID. Um, and so, again, I remember, I just remember when COVID was isolated to China, that like little one month period there where it was like, oh, this oh. China, this, yeah, this, this Wuhan China virus um, is killing a lot of people in China. Don't go to China. Mm. And basically, throughout the whole process, Trump praised Xi Jinping. And Trump was like, yep, Xi Jinping is handling this excellent. Um, you can actually even see a tweet from from March where Trump praised Xi Jinping for his handling of the coronavirus. I mean, basically being like, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want to have anyone else overseeing this apart from Xi Jinping. But mm. it did escape China. And the thing that Trump kind of hung his hat on was a growing, a growing American economy. The economy would have been growing regardless of who was in power. It was just a natural recovery from the JFC. If you super as low as the JFC, obviously you're going to have economic growth afterwards. So, yeah, you can't actually you can't actually give Trump much credit for that. But that was the thing he'd hung his hat on. In March, in one day, the S and P stock market index dropped by one third of its value. Not good. Mm. And that's literally the thing that he'd hung his hat on was a successful economy. And so Trump pretty much changed tune like that. The China virus came out, Kung flu, all those sort of... <laughs> was that was that a Trump thing or was that just... Did he latch on to Kung flu? I think he latched on to it. I don't think... I don't think he actually started. I surely wouldn't. Like, sure. Pending these at night. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's in the studio just cooking. Just workshopping with pens. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I, I would have guessed that he stole of someone else. Basically, he also... um. I think he stole... I'm trying to remember what it was. Yeah, he stole a Chris Rock joke. So Chris Rock made a joke about... Uh, remember when John McCain went against Obama in the 2008 election? I mean, you were like eight yeah, at the I time. I don't remember it, but I'm sure it happened. So John oh, McCain? <laughs> different. different. <laughs> I, I, I remember being an 11-year-old boy or a 10-year-old boy or whatever and making John McCain, you've done it again, jokes <laughs> to my family. I was like, I'm a genius. Um, he was a Vietnam War veteran that got captured by uh, the North Vietnamese Army. And he is kind of considered a war hero because he survived extreme amounts of torture throughout the Vietnam War. Wow. Chris Rock made a joke that was like, John McCain isn't a war hero. He got captured. He didn't do his job. 
Like that's like he, it, winning. Mm. Like good soldiers don't get captured was his kind of joke. Um, obviously, Chris Rock very tongue in cheek about it. Um, Trump, by about ten years later, reused that same joke in the Republican primary. So he is known for just catching good lines from comedians <laughs> and then weaving it in. <laughs> so yeah, probably expect a, a Dave Chappelle sticks and stones one liner to get weaved in to when he inevitably takes on Biden in twenty twenty four. Basically, he changed his tune to anti-China. We have discussed the Uyghurs before. We won't go into the Uyghurs in too much detail. We've done it maybe three or four times now. Basically, Trump made the Uyghurs his, like, noble crusade mission, where he kind of went in and said, um, we're actually going to sanction certain individuals in the Chinese Communist Party for their treatment of the Uyghurs. And so Xi Jinping wasn't one of them, but we're going to individually sanction some of the others. And basically, they passed the like a Uyghur human rights protection bill. They floated the idea of actually banning TikTok. So there was an executive mm. order that banned TikTok and WeChat, but it never actually became effective. And then Trump's parting gift to Biden in January of 2021 was to label the Chinese Communist Party's actions against the Uyghurs to be a genocide. Yeah, I remember that. That was quite a quite a, a bomb just to drop and then run out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so Basically, like, yeah, yeah, fantastic hospital pass to, to give. <laughs> and that, but that's actually just normal practice. It's something that isn't discussed enough. Um, if, a, if a party knows they're going to lose an election, generally they try and stuff the budget up the, right, right on the eve of losing the election so that the other party has to deal with the fallout. So there are some other important ones that we will briefly discuss as well. When do you think of Saudi Arabia? What comes to mind now? Mm. Cristiano Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Neymar. Oh, like sport washing. Yeah. The F1. Mm. Newcastle. F1. Live golf. Mm. L-I-V golf. Live, mm. love, love golf. The, the new cities that they're building that are like vertical cities in the sense of like just a narrow strip that goes yeah, for a long while. about that. Beating Argentina. That was that was pretty awesome. What is Messi? What is Messi? Players getting a Rolex mm. or Rolls Royce and a pu- and a public holiday. Um, <laughs> so Saudi Arabia was an interesting one. So Saudi Arabia has always been a close ally to America. Any guesses why? Oil. oil, oil, and again, America does have oil reserves. So again, you go like Texas, that's oil country, but. Considering the scale of the operations America's doing, considering how big their military is and um, for a while how big their manufacturing industry was, they needed an absolute ton of oil. And so the Saudis provided that at a, it was again, a mutually beneficial partnership. Saudis give America oil, which helps America kind of maintain uh, world dominance. And in return, the Saudis get a ton of money from American oil. But Trump actually threatened to stop buying Saudi oil. And he was like, well, and again, America for the last 10 years has been moving towards uh, oil independence. And Trump basically said, you know what? We won't buy from you anymore unless you support us in Syria and Iraq. Stop. Like you're in the Middle East. This is this is as much your problem as it is ours. And we need you to kind of basically deal with it. Again, Trump also threw out the line that Osama bin Laden was a Saudi and we needed to kind of like, again, mm. um, Middle Eastern terrorism is that's blood on your hands as well. Where is Osama from? Saudi Arabia. Is, oh, he actually yeah. is. Sorry, yeah. that wasn't just a wind up. Yeah, yeah right. Have you guys seen Cars Two? 
<laughs> I actually haven't. No. Uh, yeah, I don't think I have either, actually. Uh, don't worry, then. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 I can't, like I can't press on now. <laughs> <laughs> We've just pivoted from um, Osama Bin Laden to Cars 2, and I need I to know, know why. I was hoping there's like a crossover. That movie's all about, not all about. <laughs> talks into the oil crisis. <laughs> Oh, I see. <laughs> Just the cars. Real, real pertinent bit of commentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This whole issue about cars using sustainable fuel. True. The guy providing ah. the sustainable fuel was actually on the other side, I think. Oh, no. Oh, sure. no. Spoiler. But, um, yeah. So, Interesting movie. Like, it's, it, was, it was allegorical for the Saudis, this guy. Was <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was hoping you guys had seen it and you could uh, speak more to it. But was there. Um, I'm, I'm struggling to remember the details. <laughs> Was there uproar about that? You know, is that pushing some sort of climate agenda that uh, yeah, the, the Republicans wouldn't have liked? Because that would and that would have been pretty. Like Cars Two came out what like 2009, so that was like 2011. 2011. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of people were more focused on that. There was a there was a, the Pope was <laughs> like in a car form. So then people were like, wow, there must have been a car Jesus if there's a car Pope. Yeah, see, wondering how that played out. <laughs> in, also, yeah. <laughs> the crucifixion. <laughs> um, because also, there's like in planes, like the planes fought in World War Two, right? Which meant that there was a like. I haven't seen the movie. I've just seen this online. Okay. So in the movie planes, yeah, there were they fought in World War Two. I think there's like scenes of them in the Battle of Britain. Which meant that there was a plane holocaust yeah. and a, a plane Nanjing massacre. And that's in the same universe as cars. As cars. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, wow. It's interesting. I mean, people talk about Harry Potter a lot, but I'm more interested in this universe. <laughs> I don't even know where we were. Uh, Some have been lying to me. Yeah. Some have been lying to cars too. So the other thing that Trump did with the Saudis was he backed them. Um, so there's there's a rebel group that popped up in Yemen called the Houthis. Um, Yemen's mm-hmm. next door to Saudi Arabia, and the Houthis had kind of spilled over to Saudi. The Saudis had supported the Yemen government, and the Americans under Trump backed the Saudis against the Houthis. There's also the Abraham Accords. Mm. Any guesses where that might be? Israel. Israel. So. Oh, it's that Abraham. Father Abraham. Not Abraham Lincoln Abraham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Father yeah, Abraham. Okay, many sons. Um, so if you go to the Middle East, um, obviously you've got Israel, which is Jewish, and it's surrounded by Islamic Arab nations. Basically, every when Israel was instituted, I think we discussed this on the Indian Min podcast a fair bit, when Israel was instituted, it's effectively taking land off of the Arabs, particularly Palestine. And so the surrounding Arab states kind of have an Arab brotherhood, which is united under Islam in that basically this is an illegal state that's been propped up and all of these Arab states surrounding it haven't recognised the legitimacy of Israel and instead basically view it as occupied Palestine. And for that, Israel has constantly been in proxy wars and sometimes even literal wars with these surrounding states. Trump uh, and his administration basically teed up what the, the Abraham Accords um, the issue is, so take a country like the UAE. The UAE is, yes, it's quite strongly Islamic, but it's also not quite as fanatical as some of the surrounding nations. And the UAE, what do you think of when you think of the UAE? Emirates. Yep. <laughs> the the, 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 the plane <laughs> Um Dubai. 
Dubai. Abu Dhabi. And money. Money. Mm-hmm. And us yeah. potentially missing a plane <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. when we're in Dubai. <laughs> Story for another time. Now, in the UAE, um, it's, yeah, again, heavily money-driven. And in terms of like nearby trading partners, particularly trading partners that have good technology, Israel is the next closest. And so they actually benefit a lot from trading with each other uh, because the Israeli military receives so much money, which means technological advancement is is pretty strong. Whenever you have strong military spending, that's when you have strong technological advancement. And so Israel and the, and the UAE had been actually doing a lot of trade. And realistically, it didn't, the U, it didn't actually serve the UAE's interests to kind of continue the Arab Brotherhood thing going. And it actually would serve their interests a lot better if they recognized Israel and could have proper training set up with Israel. Mm. And so the Abraham Accords was an attempt to start to have the Arab nations recognize Israel as a a legitimate nation. And Trump and his administration, they were the ones who organized this um, and they were the intermediaries. The other country that joined the Abraham Accords was Bahrain. Okay. And so... Effectively, Abraham Accords, it was Trump who mediated it and they got the UAE and Bahrain to recognise Israel as a legitimate nation. Mm-hmm. They hadn't quite gotten to the point of normalising relations, but there was a recognition that they were at least legitimate. Morocco also joined the party. Mm. So in December of 2020, Morocco also recognised Israel as a legitimate nation. Um. America also tried to leverage Sudan into doing the same thing. So Sudan uh, were, were at the, at, in 2020 were internationally recognised as state sponsors of terrorism, i.e. their government supports internationally UN-listed terrorist groups. Okay. Trump and his administration basically said, we will delist you from that, li- we'll take you off that list if you recognise Israel as legitimate. Those talks are still ongoing, but Sudan has expressed their interest in actually following through with it. So Trump is, again, he's loved in Israel because he was probably, he's one of the first presidents to actually see other Arab states recognize Israel as legitimate, mm. which is huge for the for the history of Israel. And then uh, uh, like for a country like Palestine, they yeah, view him as kind of like the worst of the US presidents for helping the Israeli cause to an extent that other American presidents hadn't done. Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. So, 2017, America expanded their presence to fight who? Is it still ISIS? Not ISIS. Not ISIS. It's they didn't get so much involved in Afghanistan. The Taliban. The Taliban. So, the Taliban, um, again, they were the government that in... Bush's war on terror, they initially got rid of for harboring uh, Osama bin Laden. And so basically Bush gets rid of them and more or less doesn't actually eliminate them, but he sends them to the bush and they retreat up the mountains, Afghanistan's very mountainous terrain. They retreat to the mountains and basically hide out and do guerrilla warfare for quite a while. And their whole operation is to outlast the Americans through sabotage. And by the end of the 2010s, it's been nearly two decades and they still haven't been wiped out. And so Trump upped, their, upped the presence of American soldiers in Afghanistan and then he withdrew in 2019. Mm. So like a bit inconsistent there. Uh, in 2020, so February of 2020, 
Trump signed the Doha agreement with Taliban. Wait, it's February 2020. Mm-hmm. Trump signed the Doha agreement with the Taliban, uh, which basically gave America 14 months to withdraw. Biden then was the one who went and withdrew, in which case the Taliban then re- came back to occupy Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so does Biden sort of bear the the brunt of that? In Massively. Time? Yeah. Which, yeah, like, again, and again, there were all sorts of issues in how the Biden administration handled the withdrawal of Afghanistan. But let's not forget who set, who set him up for that. Mm. <laughs> it, it, was, it was Trump by initially sending more soldiers, then withdrawing and then signing the Doha Agreement. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Afghanistan cricket team also suffered... They were uh, refused to tour mm. Australia mm. and some other places as well. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting discussion. Yeah. Mm. And so, um, again, a lot of it can be found at the feet of, of Trump's administration and more realistically, Bush's administration if we go back far enough. Um, and then lastly, we've got North Korea. Mm. There was a meeting in Singapore. Yes. Uh-huh. Correct. And that would have been fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Wild time. And then there's also the um, footage of Trump meeting Kim Jong-un in the, in the, in the demilitarized zone. Like it's like, re- it's so strange because it's, it's like an iPhone four camera that's filming it. <laughs> and it's like groundbreaking footage. It's like historical footage as a North Korean leader meets face to face with an American leader. And it's mm. not done through like a proxy or anything. And literally it's filmed on like 2014 YouTube um, <laughs> camera. And so basically Trump's initial stance towards North Korea was hardline. He called Kim Jong-un little rocket man um, and basically threatened to nuke North Korea quite frequently. But actually um, Trump changed his tune in 2018 and actually started to be more conciliatory towards Kim Jong-un. And basically he, for a little while, it looked like the North North and South Korea were going to have their best ever relations. That deteriorated afterwards. But basically, the American position had been, we will only talk to North Korea when they agree to completely denuclearize. Trump's position was, let's talk first. Let's just have a chat. No, like, no strings attached. Like, get, get me in a room with Kim Jong-un and let's have a chat. And in, in fairness to Trump... Um, there was talks of partial denuclearization that did happen and it seemed like progress was being made again fast forward to 2020 covid trump gets elected out voted voted out that all changes but for a little while it did like it did look like there was some progress that was being made with north korea um it did stall in 2019 when kim jong un also met with putin at a similar summit mm. and Trump didn't like that very much. Yeah. And Trump was like, oh, I thought I was the one. Yeah. <laughs> All men are the same. Yeah. It felt like the finale of The Bachelor when both are convinced it's going to be them that gets chosen. And then it's the honey badger and he picks none of them. <laughs> <laughs> Just exploring different connections. Yeah. A really iconic moment of Australian TV history there that really isn't discussed <laughs> enough. The Honey Budget chose no one on The Bachelor. <laughs> this is kind of wild, yeah. What was he there for? <laughs> was, Just to all? get on those undies ads. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, well, one of them who got rejected is now like Australia's biggest podcaster, so. There you go. Um, yeah, our competition. <laughs> <laughs> 
but that was Trump's foreign policy. And the really interesting thing was in his campaign, Trump really criticized George Bush, which is interesting because the Republicans had been running as, because George Bush was a Republican, that George Bush was a good president. And we're going to kind of, again, Obama's taken us downhill. We were better under George Bush. We're going to take us back to the, the days of George Bush. Trump comes in, he's like, Bush was terrible. He's a war criminal. He should be put in jail. And he'd get like a, a rapturous applause from the crowd. It's like, what? That's so, at the time it was so strange that they would cheer a Republican saying another Republican should be put in jail. Mm-hmm. They also did a question where they were like, okay, hands up. If you were not to win the nominee, who would guarantee that they would vote for whoever the Republican nominee is? Every Republican put their hand up except Donald Trump. And basically Donald Trump was like, we should never have gotten into Iraq. We should never have gotten into Syria. Um, now that we're there, we, we can't just withdraw very easily because that's going to create all sorts of issues. And he gained a lot of support from actually his anti-Republican stance. When Trump was in office, he it, was, it wasn't really consistent as to what was he intervened in and what was he pulled out on. He backed the Saudis against the Houthis. He intervened quite heavily in the Syrian civil war. He escalated the presence in Afghanistan and then withdrew and... I would say that Trump's campaign for the foreign policy that Trump put forward in his campaign was significantly better than the foreign policy he actually enacted. Hmm. And yeah, as someone that would completely disagree with how the Republicans run the domestic economy and someone who is not too fond of the Republican party because of how answerable they are to oil interests, Trump's foreign policy pretty good for an, for an, from an Australian point of view, someone who doesn't benefit from the American empire being so expansive. I was really like, look, like if you look back at his campaigns at his campaign promises, his foreign policy actually sounded pretty good. Cam, are you saying that Donald Trump is the greatest leader? I am. Ever? And I will dawn <laughs> my, my MAGA hat right now. <laughs> and what I'm saying is that keep America great. Trump 2024. <laughs> I actually think he's going. This is this is non. This is not a joke. I actually think he's going to win. Mm. So I, ma- I made a prediction that he'd win about a year ago. I was doing a podcast with someone else. Um, made what a, I know, <laughs> right? Just, shout out to, to Stanley. You think you know someone? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just giving you the Kim Jong Un <laughs> card reading. Um, I predicted that he'd win. I then wavered in that confidence when Trump's candidates did really poorly at the midterms last year. He has skyrocketed in popularity since getting arrested. Mm. And like in the Republican primaries, he's smashing everyone else. And at the same time, Biden's popularity is plummeting really badly. Mm. I'm saying I think Trump's going to do it. Wow. Is he arrested for um, rape? Trump? Yeah. No. So Trump's arrests were to do... So the Georgia arrest was to do with the 2020 election in that like election interference. I need you to find extra votes to like, so basically, so Georgia's governor is a Republican mm-hmm. and at the, each state is responsible for administering the votes in the election. And so Trump's guys went to the Georgia governor and said, Hey, we need you, we need you to find extra votes. 
because if Trump, if the, if the Republicans won Georgia, that would have been crucial votes in the electoral college. Okay. And Georgia went down to a knife edge. Yeah. And so basically it's conspiracy for like conspiracy to, or conspiring against democracy effectively. Mm. The other one that involves a woman was a woman called Stormy Daniels. So it's mm. just Stor- was that the one he got cleared of recently? No, so we know he's found guilty of. Uh. So Stormy Daniels was basically was was a porn star that Trump had um, yeah slept with, and she was in the 2016 election. She was paid off to be silent about the story, and that's actually he did not declare that in his campaign finances. You need to declare. Like it's it's a financial misdemeanor. You need to declare that with your finances. The allegations of rape um, don't have a criminal uh, accusation. If that makes sense. Okay. So, right. as in, no one's pressed charges. There. I, if I'm not mistaken, I thought there was some some court hearings recently about it. Uh, I, I have to fact check. I, I, my fingers largely been off the pulse there. Okay. I believe not. So what I'm saying. Is yeah, you think he's going to win? MAGA 2024. Hopefully the, uh, the US dollar improves. Mm. We, yeah. I mean, I think the Swedish dollar improves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is what we get paid in. True. Um, yeah, I miss those $1.05, $1.10 days. But <laughs> <laughs> they simpler times. Yeah. I remember watching the the... The ABC News, which is my, what my parents would watch. There's always the guy that comes and talks about the stocks, like at the end in between the weather and the sport or something, <laughs> or maybe just before the, the sport. Um, and I'm like, great, Australian dollar doing, you know, a dollar ten. No concept what that meant at like 11 years old, but good for us. We could go on a family holiday to America. Yeah. So replay this in 2024. We'll see how it ages. Mm. 